For those of you who might be watching or with us for the first time, this is where we start to dive into scripture. And I heard a quote about scripture this week um, for the first time. It was a quote by Pope Gregory the Great from 600 AD, so 1,500 years ago. This is what he said. He said, scripture is like a river. It has currents shallow enough for a lamb to wade in, its, in the side and deep enough for an elephant to swim. And I, that really stuck with me, that image, and I thought, that is so true. That's what we pray, that's what our heart is to do when we're with you on Sundays. Our heart is to um, read scripture, study scripture, talk about scripture so that we can know the word of life, who is Jesus. And we pray that if you are just watching or listening for the first time and you're saying, I'm not really sure I want to get in this river, that you can have the freedom of a lamb to wade in the shallow end. And if you've been coming to the river of scripture for years, we just pray that you will dive in and jump in and that there will be something for everyone. And so I'd like to pray. Holy Spirit, um, as we read scripture today, as we talk about it, as we explore I just pray that people, no matter where they're at on their journey, will be able to um, receive something from your word, receive something from you, and that they'll be equipped and encouraged to follow Jesus, and that that will bring that celebration life and resurrection life that Mike just spoke about. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to start with a story Uh, There was a young rabbi who found himself with some problem, a problem with his new congregation. Um, His new, during the Friday services, half the congregation would stand for the prayers and half would remain seated. And each side would shout at the other side, insisting that theirs was the true tradition. Nothing the rabbi said or did helped solve this impasse. Finally, in desperation, he said, I'm going to go to the founder of the synagogue, a 99-year-old rabbi. So he goes over to the nursing home, sits down with the older rabbi, and pours out his troubles. He says, please tell me, was it the tradition for the congregation to stand during the prayers? No, said the old rabbi. Ah, responded the younger man. Then it was the tradition to sit during the prayers. No, answered the old rabbi. Well, the young rabbi responded, what we have is complete chaos. Half the people stand and shout, and the other half sit and scream. Ah, said the old rabbi, that was the tradition. (laughs) So, Yes, Vivian's here today, and I'm going to speak about five conflicts, and they are five conflicts that Jesus had with Pharisees. They are five conflicts about tradition, about sin, and about forgiveness. I'm so thankful for what Kathy brought this morning and how um, it dovetails with the message today. Um, Five conflicts with religious leaders of his day about sin, sin, sinners, breaking the law, and about tradition. So his conflict was with three groups of people, and you can just call them religious leaders. It depends on which translation you're using. But the first group were Pharisees. 
they weren't priests, but they were very religious. They were part of a religious party and they tried to stay faithful to the Mosaic law of the Old Testament. And they developed many additional traditions and rules to follow and establish how that law was, was applied in their generation. The second group were scribes. These were the people who wrote down the scripture. They were like the lawyers of the time and they wrote contracts and um, they cared very much about every law being written down and every word being written down just right, which was good because they were the copy machines of that time. So the third group were the Herodians and they were more of a political than a religious party. These were a group of Jews who attached themselves to Herod's family. They said, if we get in with Herod's family, everything's gonna be okay and we can promote the interests of the Jewish people. The Herodians were quite loose in observing Jewish tradition. And, even, and though in this respect, they were the opposite of the Pharisees, they easily fell in together in an effort to ruin Jesus the efforts of Jesus. So this series of five conflicts, I thought since Vivian was here, I should have a list. <laughs> Actually, that's not why I'm preaching on this, but I think it's funny. I am falling short today because I only have five, a list of five and Vivian would have a list of seven. <laughs> Anyways, um, these five, this series of five conflicts is recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So I'm gonna be taking scriptures from all three of those writers and perspectives. I'm gonna spend a little less time on the first three and a little more time on the second two. So the first one, Luke 5, 17. One day Jesus was teaching and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. It was very clear the power of God is with this man and he has power to heal the sick. So if you knew someone who had power to heal the sick, what would you do? You would bring all the sick people, right? So that's what happens. All these people are gathered around Jesus. Um, he's at a house teaching. The house is too full of people. And so here come a group of friends with their friend who's paralyzed and they can't get in to see Jesus. And so they climb up on the roof of the house. They tear open the roof of the house. It's probably made of mud and thatched um, branches and things like that. They tear it open and they drop the paralytic man down at the feet of Jesus. Mark 2. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law, so those religious folks, were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier? to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he says to the man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat and go home. The man got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Jesus's first priority was forgiveness of sin. 
forgiveness, changing the way people were healed from sin. It's what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to take care of sin. Woohoo! Hallelujah! <laughs> what is sin? Just a quick reminder. It's failing to do what is right. It's our evil actions. It's the offenses that we do. It's the bad things we do. It's in general disobeying God. Religious people didn't like Jesus saying he had power to take care of this. Religious people want to control what God says about sin. And then here comes this new guy, Jesus, and Jesus just says a word and this man's sins are forgiven? Yes, that's the first conflict. The second conflict, Jesus leaves that house and he's walking along and he sees a tax collector, Levi, also known as Matthew. Tax collectors were the most obvious collaborators with the Roman government, and they took a little bit of a skim, they skimmed off a, a little bit off the top for their own profit. So nobody liked tax collectors, except maybe the Romans, because they did the dirty work for the Romans. Jesus comes along to this tax collector and says, follow me. And Levi gets up and follows him. Not only does Jesus tell Levi to come follow him, but Jesus heads over to Levi's house and hangs out with Levi at his house. Mark 2:15. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. In this conflict, Jesus is prioritizing his ministry. He's looking for people who recognize they need help and forgiveness. This is the people Jesus is here for. There's a saying, pride is the only disease that makes everyone sick, except the one who has it. <laughs> it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not call, come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus is for sinners. Jesus is here for people who miss the mark, don't make the grade, the people who do evil, Sometimes as religious people, we don't like this. Sometimes we miss that we have the disease too. I'm a chief offender. Aaron and I keep quoting this idea. The church, that has been quoted throughout centuries. <laughs> the church exists primarily for people outside of it. There are many metaphors for the church. One, one of my favorite and most important is that we're the bride. And that speaks about first, our relationship with God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? That's the first commandment. But we're also the body of Christ and Christ's body was broken for the world. What a metaphor, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus came for sinners, and he asks us to go to a broken world and extend the same redemptive power 
of forgiveness, tsunamis of mercy and forgiveness, like Kathy shared earlier. So these two stories are about Jesus saying, I have power to forgive and I came to be with sinners. The third conflict, Jesus says, I am doing something new. This is gonna be a paradigm shift. You're gonna have to think differently. The old way of doing things isn't gonna work anymore. This time, the conflict is about fasting, how the Pharisees fast, how John the Baptist's disciples fast, and why don't Jesus's disciples fast? To make a long story short, Jesus says, I'm not like the Pharisees or John the Baptist. I am the Messiah. I'm the bridegroom to the people of God. And wherever I am, it is appropriate to have joy and celebration associated with a wedding, which means no fasting. <laughs> I'm doing something different here. Don't worry about fasting. Now, he uses a metaphor for them to grasp how new this is. Mark 2, 21, he says, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. Yay. I have power to forgive. I came for the sinner and you're gonna need a new mindset to grasp this. The fourth conflict, mercy, not sacrifice. On a Sabbath day, which in the Jewish tradition is a day of rest, when no one is supposed to work, Jesus and his disciples are walking through some grain fields and they're hungry. The disciples start to pick some grain and start eating it. And it's okay to do that. It's okay to pick grain from a field, but it's not okay to work on the Sabbath. So the Pharisees get super mad. Look, look at what your disciples are doing. Don't you know that it's unlawful to do this on the Sabbath? And Jesus says, really? Didn't you ever read about King David when he went into the temple and he took bread off the altar that was supposed to be for the priests? and he was okay? Or don't you remember that priests work on Sunday? And so they're working on Sunday, but they're innocent. And it's not held against them. Matthew 12, seven, Jesus says, if you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned us. Then he says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now things are getting real. Really real. Jesus is messing with the tradition, the sacrifice system, all the laws for how people were, be, were, made, were made right before God, how they dealt with their sin. And the religious leaders are working so hard to protect and honor the system. And Jesus says, I'm gonna do this a new way. I wanna make God's priorities clear to you. This shouldn't have been a surprise to them <laughs> because hundreds of years earlier, when Jesus said, I want mercy, not sacrifice, God wants mercy, not sacrifice. He was quoting the prophet Hosea. 
And this is what Hosea said in Hosea 6.6. God says, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. Jesus is saying, I can take care of your sin, your dysfunction, you're breaking the law. I'm here for you. The bridegroom is here. I want to know you. I want to connect with you. I want you to know me. It's about mercy and forgiveness, not sacrifice. This is my priority. Can you let me do it? Can you look to me? Can you face me? Can you know me? Talk to me. I'm right here in the room with you. Fifth conflict. Mark 3. Another time Jesus went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. And Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath? What is the tradition? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. I always pay attention when Jesus is angry and distressed. And he says to them, stretch out your hand. And he stretches it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Luke in his gospel says they were filled with rage. I was wondering who was working harder on that Sabbath? All Jesus did was speak. These are religious leaders and Herodians went out and worked really hard the rest of that day in their rage. That's what anger and rage does. It's a lot of work. And on the Sabbath, no less. The Pharisees were so consumed by the details of the law and the challenge to their tradition that they couldn't find mercy. They had completely missed the point of the Sabbath and law. And this distresses Jesus. These last two stories happen in the context of the Sabbath. I want to talk for just a little bit about the Sabbath and how it relates to this series of five conflicts. If you're watching, if you're just wading into this idea of scripture and who God is, you might be saying, what is Sabbath? Let me tell you, this is a definition it's to lay down, to repose. It's to cease exertion, which is to quit working so hard. It's to celebrate. It's to let things fail. Hmm. To actually stop and let something fail. To leave, to put away, to rest, to be still. In the Old Testament tradition in our Bible, and Bible history, it's the fourth of 10 commandments. The fourth commandment is Exodus 20, verse seven. Remember to keep the Sabbath as a holy day. You may work in 
get everything done during the six days, but on the seventh day, it's a day of rest to honor the Lord your God. On that day, no one may do any work. The reason is that in six days, the Lord made everything. He made the sky, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. And on the seventh day, he rested. And if he made everything and he's resting and he's at peace, we can rest and be at peace too. We know God wanted us to practice the Sabbath, but why? Why did he want us to practice it? I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Hold on, and I'll tie this together at the end. In American tradition, Sabbath is on Sunday. You know, we get up in the morning, we go to church, we worship. In the Jewish tradition, it starts on Saturday evening at sunset with a meal. And it goes until sunset the next day on Sunday. Let's look at Genesis 1 and look at a day and how a day is ordered in the beginning. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning. And that was the first day. Same pattern again on day two. God called the vault sky and there was evening and there was morning. That was the second day. This happens every day. Let's go to day six. God saw all that he had made, and there was evening. Or God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Every day in our story of origin begins with evening, and then morning. In the Genesis story, a day starts with God at evening, at sunset. It starts with us resting and our bodies relaxing. It starts in the Sabbath tradition with a meal with others in relationship with people. Our most meaningful times together with friends or family, don't they usually revolve around a meal? Isn't there nothing better than sitting around a table and laughing and talking and being with people? Or a housewarming party in a friend's backyard or eating a meal at the end of a long backpacking trip up into the mountains and you're sitting around a campfire and you're eating together. There's nothing better than that satisfaction. In our culture, We think about that as the reward at the end of a long day. But what if, as in the Genesis story, this is how we're supposed to start the way we mark our day? In relationship with people at rest. On the seventh day, on Genesis 2, it says, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. I believe God created the Sabbath so that from the beginning, we would be a people of rest and peace. We would be a people who allow God to do the work, the work of provision, the work of healing, the work of cleansing our sleep, our sin. Think about it. There's studies about the brain, right? When you go to sleep at night, your brain starts working. It actually 
orders your memories and sorts your memories. At night when you sleep, there are studies that talk about how your brain actually clears your pathways of toxins. Look it up, it's everywhere. Lots of studies about that. At night when we sleep, things are put in order and made right for the next day. I believe God wants us to remember that God does the work, not us. Now hear me, while I'm talking about rest and God doing the work, I'm not saying that we don't have work to do. No way. We have things to address, sin to take care of, people to care for. We have a lot of work to do. But in these five conflicts, I see Jesus reminding the Pharisees and religious leaders that they have their priorities backwards. They have things reversed. They were living for the law, living for the Sabbath, living um, and serving the law instead of the law helping them. And in all of this living and striving and working, they had lost sight of mercy. Before we get to work, all the work that needs to be done, before we tend our gardens, plow our fields, clean our houses, before we serve one another, may we be a people of rest in Christ. May we be a people that recognize his mercy in our lives so that we can give mercy away. Our calendar is a solar calendar. We count our days, don't we mark them off with red X's, you know, in the cartoons every day that goes by? We mark our days by what we can produce in our to-do lists. The Jewish calendar is a lunar calendar where days are marked by the night when we cease from producing. Wow, that makes me happy. <laughs> I don't know about you, it makes me happy. Another thing I learned this week, humans were the only mammal that resists and willingly delays sleep. Hmm. The Pharisees' mentality is that you've got to make yourself holy. You've got to take care of your sin. You've got to follow the rules. You've got to perform. You've got to sacrifice. You've got to follow the tradition. You've got to produce you, you, you. And that's what we've done throughout time. We always revert back to what we can do. Think about in the Garden of Eden, we exchanged the garden with all the provision for cursed labor. Soon enough, we're making a Tower of Babel to make a name for ourselves. Later on, we're slaves stuck in Egypt, laboring to make bricks out of nothing. God's promise to get them out of Egypt, to get us out of slavery, to get us out of that producing and making and striving. God promises Moses in Exodus 33, 14, he says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Jesus says in Matthew 11, my way is easy, my yoke is light. My burden is light, come to me and I will give you rest. Jesus's mentality is that I've got new wine for you and it tastes good. 
I have power to forgive sins. I can heal you. I want to sit with you. I want to eat with you. I want you to rest. And while you rest, I'm going to restore your soul. Then when you wake up, let's get to work together. And when we get to work together, my Holy Spirit will empower you. So you're not doing it on your own strength. But our work starts with rest. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Hosea 6.6, one more time. I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. This is our work. Let this be our tradition, forgiveness and mercy. When we entrust our sin and the sin of others to God, he has power to deal with it. When we cease to strive, Jesus empowers. When we quiet our thinking, Jesus renews our minds. When we stop producing, Jesus creates. And when we rest, Jesus works on our behalf. So I'd like to finish with some prayer. If you'd like, you can stand with us if, you, if you'd like to stand. If not, just join me in prayer. Thank you, God, that you have power to forgive sin. Thank you that your heart is for sinners. Thank you that you came to give us rest. Thank you that we don't have to do it the Pharisee way, the rule way. Thank you that you restore us. You restore our souls. I pray that we would be a people known as people of rest, people who abide, people who extend forgiveness and mercy because we have been with you and we know how you have forgiven us and granted mercy to us. We bless you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.